Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining another episode of April Roll Speaking. Um, today, I have a very, very, very special um, visitor who wants to actually do this podcast today. And not only is this person that I'm going to interview today, um, not only is he a very talented comic in the hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana and beyond, he actually travels but he is my favorite and only brother, Bryson Cool Cat Charlton. How are you doing today, Bryson? Hey, turn up. I like that intro. That was <laughs> that was a very, very, very well respected intro. So I appreciate that. I feel like I felt like I deserved that. Much respect. My big little brother, but little brother. Little little brother. we we have what? Eight years right. difference between us, seven. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we're about seven years different. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my little brother. But yeah, thanks for your time today, Bryce. And I just wanted to <clears throat> spend some time with you today because you know you're doing so much with your comedy, so much that people don't probably don't even know that you're doing based on social media because you do have a following. Um, you do have an audience out there that actually follows you, but it takes so much. I sit back and watch you from afar, and I'm just like, I don't even know how he's doing all this. So much, nah. much, much props to you, my little brother, um, for all the oh, work that well, you do. Thank you, April Rose. Can I call you April Rose? It's, I ain't said that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it used to be April O'Neil for the people that's listening when we was little because you were so into Ninja Turtles. So, yeah, you could Yeah, that's how, I got you, that's how I got you stored in the phone. It's April O'Neil, so. <laughs> so stupid. So, anyways, and that's to all of the Ninja Turtle Power Ranger. Yeah, that's for the Turtle Gang out here, yeah. man. He was, yeah, that's in, the Turtle Gang. He was into a deep. So, anyways, back to the podcast. Um, yeah, so you do so much behind-the-scenes work. And you're so talented. Um, you're a businessman and you're a comedian. You do such a good job with your storytelling online, not online, but on stage. That it's just like this magical thing when I kind of sit in the audience and I'm watching you. It's like, <laughs> that's my little brother. I cannot even believe it. But I just want to ask you a few questions so that the audience can get to know you. Those who already don't know you, maybe more people will be more interested in, um, in your comedy. But just to ask the first question how about you just kind of like introduce yourself and you know what do you want to want the listeners today to know about you and your journey into being a comedian what do you want the world to know well uh i'll just start off by saying that if you are listening to this we do appreciate you for tuning in to this very very special episode like she said already because uh, I like to thank my sister for letting me be on the April Rose Speaking platform podcast. Platform yes. podcast, I love it. Uh, but if um, if you enjoy comedy, I feel like you're a person that enjoys to laugh. So if you enjoy laughing, I would like to tell you that I will be the type of comedian that likes to entertain you because I feel like laughter is such an important thing in life. I feel like it's the cure for a lot of things. So comedy to me is like something I feel like that people need to be around. So if you're into stand-up, 
uh, please follow me because comedy to me is something that's special because it's a talent that I found at a young age, even before I even knew stand-up was a thing. I kind of knew the power of laughter. So if you're like a people's person, I like to say that I'm like your type of comedian because to me it's more than just jokes, it's more of a connection. You know, that's one thing that I like about people who come to my shows, people who follow me. It's more than just jokes. It's a connection with a total stranger that you didn't know before. And then after this, it's like you're like best friends after seeing my stand up. And that means something to me because otherwise I feel like I ain't shit. So mm-hmm. y'all make me feel like I am the shit by people by following me and enjoying Bryson, what I do. I'm going to have to interrupt you right there. I send you text message. I I inspire you. I motivate you. So don't even go there. Don't what do you mean? You talking about you not shit. You are shit. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm just saying though, like the love from a sister is like almost guaranteed. A love from a stranger, that's a whole nother uh, level. Got it. So it I means a lot. It means you. a lot. It means a lot more. Even though yours is appreciated, yeah, I appreciate that. But I just appreciate it from the strangers a lot more though. Right. Okay. So I guess I, I can understand it. it from, I can understand it from that perspective. So just kind of tell the listeners how you figured out that she was interested in comedy. Like, how did that happen? All right. So it's like probably like two sides to this. Like every comedian that you probably will ever talk to in life or tell you like a history about how they was like the class clown and things like that. Like it's basically the same way with me, too, because at an early age in like grade school, like elementary, uh, you I kind of found the gift of laughter and it was kind of important to me where I always had to be like that funny one. Like I remember like when I finally like really felt it was like second grade and it was like just the class play and my mom and uh, my mom came and she had she was in the crowd and it was just like parents there and we had a standing line it was about you know it was like the rainforest and everybody had their little rainforest gear on and stuff and I had to hold this stuffed monkey but the thing was like I was just thinking how can I stand out from everybody else so I remember just thinking in my head like I'm gonna pretend we had to go down the line and say our line uh, part of the play and we were standing in straight in line so I knew when my part was about to come up and I said, I'm gonna pretend like I'm tying my shoe, and then I'm a, and then I'm gonna rush back up when my part come, and I'm gonna hold the monkey upside down, and so like it like worked like perfectly, and like it, and we had two plays that day, so I did it like both times, and so ever since then, that was like second grade, and so then like in third grade, I just remember just turning into like that class clown, like I always had like a rebuttal towards like the teacher when she said something nothing disrespectful but just something I always wanted to make sure that like I made the class laugh in some type of way and and so basically from there because I didn't really have like I couldn't say I ain't gonna say like I was like that wasn't the popular one in in school and stuff but like I will say like in drama class was really really started to like I wanted to have that comedic relief every time in drama class ever since elementary school and so I didn't really think of it as 
doing stand up, it was just like I said, it was just the feedback of always being the funny one and the attention on me, like people was waiting for me to make them laugh. So I always had that throughout school. And I say like my senior, junior year in high school, my drama teacher kept trying to get me to do uh, speech team, the school plays and stuff like that. And I finally did them and that kind of got me used to the stage. So being on stage was something that was new to me and I adapted to that. And also seeing uh, April Rose performing Bye Bye Birdie. Boom, <laughs> bet you ain't remember that one. <laughs> I mean, I really we love you, Conrad. I, oh, yes, we do. I do feel like we have this like equal level, you know, of course I'm eight years older or seven years older than you, but this kind of same transition into being able to speak in front of people. And of course, you know, my background and me, you know, being a Jehovah's Witness and going door to door, that helped as well. Yeah, like knocking on them doors built your confidence like right. a mud. Exactly. And then, you know, I got <laughs> I got into drama too. And so um when I Yeah, home, man. So I like that's what kinda had me ready to do the play back then in high school because I just remember you always being on that on that stage. So like just being on stage and in drama class, I was always comfortable with being myself, with being funny in front of people and around people. So in order, my first time was doing stand-up was at Snickers uh, Comedy Club uh, here in town in Fort Wayne. And I was, I remember like, I knew you had to be 21 to be in bars in general. So I just waited till I was 21 to really try to, to go try it out. Because I just remember daydreaming about it like all the time at work about, man, I just want to try it because, uh, you know, the first stand up I ever watched that actually paid attention to Murphy's Raw. And mm, I did it. Yeah. So it was like, and it was crazy because, like, you remember, you remember how, like, on HBO or you remember how, like, on, back in the day, you had to look in the TV guide to see what was coming on and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember, like, I was, like, in, like, fourth grade, man. I remember looking in the TV guide because I was trying to find out when real sex was coming on. Bryson. And... Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 <It's really terrible. laughs> but it's real. Like, if, this ne if real sex never came on, I probably would have never been competing It's, like... I was trying to figure out when real sex was coming on. And I remember like looking at the late times, but TV guide times back then on paper was always wrong. So like I was I was like on it watching HBO, like you're ready for this shit to happen. And then like <laughs> and then like all of a sudden Eddie Murphy Raw came on. And then that was like my first time ever watching it. Cause like I remember he was like doing bits about his dad being drunk. So that like really caught me because like, our dad always drank and shit. Yeah. So it was like I could really connect to it. And that's right. kind of like, and I kind of just grasped from that. And so I was always doing his jokes and stuff. So like it always was in the back of my head about stand up, but career wise, I never thought of it like that. But then once I um, decided to finally do an open mic, it wasn't even an open mic. I just opened up on a show at Snickers. And once I did it, like, like I said, a lot of comedians always had be kind of not even gonna say comedians, but when you when people first try to do open mics with stand up, you know, they're really they probably got their jokes that think that's funny and it could be funny, but it's the fact that they're not comfortable on stage because right. they're in front of people right. and you gotta be funny. But I didn't have that problem because I never really 
I was never afraid of being myself. And yeah, that laughter always. You were, you were on stage, so you were comfortable. Being yeah, in front you of know, audience. right. Because that's why I say drama class played a big part of it. So it was like once I heard that first laughter, it was kind of like put me back in, like I said, them grade days, uh, the grade school days, where you know it made it comfortable for me. If, if I can interrupt you right here, and that's one thing that I think I can compliment you on that you do so well, because when you did that skit about dad and him being the black Jesus in the front lawn with the leaves in his hair because he was drunk, like literally Bryson, you know, it was hard times growing up, you know, with dad sometimes, but the way that you can frame stuff and like people fall out laughing, like I literally had tears in my eyes after that show. So you do such a, such a good job with taking different scenarios that could be negative or may have negatively impacted you, but you have a different view. And we've had and this you know what? we had that conversation before that a lot of comedians, you know, yeah, you there's have. a dark side to it and you can make light of it, you know, and make we other have. people laugh with it. Well what's funny with it is that I always remember our Uncle Grant. Like he was at the house one time and I was just kicking it like in the room with them with mama and all them while they was just clowning and laughing and stuff. And I was just laid back in the cut, just you know, chilling. But you know, but I remember he came at me afterwards. Was like, you know what, man, you you pay attention to detail a lot. You observe a lot, and I never really, I never really thought about that until uh, I got in, I got more involved in my writing because besides stand up, I like to write. You do and, write well. Like you wrote yeah. a character, and it was a girl, and she was more of a girl than me. I was like, well, wait a minute now. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> like. Like my like my female tendencies is on point. I know it's like, but that's the thing because uh, regardless of like the comfortability of being on stage with delivering jokes, it's also like with my writing, like my my attention to detail. I'll say plays off in my writing. So when I'm writing my jokes, I'm writing it out as if as if like I'm actually writing a essay or something, and I'm. And I'm breaking down the details to what I'm actually looking at. And that kind of, I feel like, what separates a lot of comedians when they, with their writing, is their ability to pay attention to details. Yeah, or, and I think you do a good, yeah. I think you do a very good job with that. But I have to move yeah. on to the other question, because this is kind of something I want um, people to be able to listen to on their lunch hour. So I'm not trying to cut you off or anything, because we'll probably have more podcasts. If there's somebody who's interested in being a comedian, what do you think are the top three things um, to be in a comedian? Like, then if you could throw. Yeah, that's me. But what are the top three <laughs> things you think is needed to be a comedian? <laughs> uh, well, I would have to say number one is depression. Uh... <laughs> 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 because like really man like because and the reason i say depression is because uh you know i say the good comedy comes from a dark place but it ain't it ain't really just so much depression but it really to be a comedian it really has to be a i feel like a passion like you really gotta have a passion for it man because of i feel like if you don't have a passion for it it's kind of like you're just really trying to learn it. And I feel like you kind of got to be already have that that comedic lifestyle in order to really make it. You know what I'm saying? Because you kind of have, have, have that personality for it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'll say, because I hate seeing comics that just they're just so dull on stage and it just makes you not want to watch it. You right. know what I'm saying? If you don't have a personality already, 
it's hard to make people want to pay attention. So what else? Other than the personality. Um. Also, you have to have the dedication. Yes, because you're like ten years in the game or longer, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I am, man. Because it's really because a lot of people. I don't like if you think about it. Comedians don't make a lot of money. Like we, there's no money in being a comedian. So one thing that, and this also goes with I think the top three things you get uh, the top three things to have. There's also like two and three, but uh, it's like a you gotta be able to think outside the box too. Because one thing about me is. I, like I don't like to beg to get on stages because people gonna people gonna want to work with who they want to work with. People are not always gonna want to work with you because they don't think that you're funny or something, or they just you know they only like who they like and things like that. People, everybody's not gonna think you're funny, so you gotta at least have the dedication to stay in the game when you're feeling down, and also you gotta think outside the box of how to make being a comedian works for you and what it means to you, because to me. Especially as a black man, I felt like I found a a real passion for me that meant something to me because a lot of people out here doing things that they do not like just because of money, which I understand the money's there, you know, make your paper boo boo. But for that, for me, it's like, you know, this is something that fuels me. This is something that makes me feel like I'm doing something. Um, This is something that I know money is not the most important thing for me. So that's going to keep you going at the end of the day because you really enjoy doing it. Yeah, it makes me happy. You know, my 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 fiance will tell me in a second. She could tell if I haven't been on a stage in a week or two because my mood is just so different. So I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you right there because um, there was an interview that was posted last week with Tyrell Anderson. So a couple of things I'm going to point out with what you just said. First of all, first of all, I you know, You know, I consider myself a thought leader and that's probably weird to hear from some people, but I sit back and, you know, I'm not a social person. I'm not the one, Bryson, we have videos with me sitting at a party, like just observing. So I'm not this big social butterfly, but what I've observed and what I know from going through college, um, and and you touched on something culturally, and that's why I base my podcast on our culture because we, we are who we are. So we know what our culture is and we observe it. We're in it. And there's something in college that we learned called the Maslow's Law or Manslow's Law. And basically it's this triangle or this hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom, it's like a foundation that go up to the top. Once your foundation is set, you can be more creative in that path. And in our culture, historically, everyone, you know, because we didn't come from money or we weren't educated or we were kept from that. Everyone was in this whole circle of, okay, we have, we have to get stability. We need to get money to the point where maybe other, other cultures in society already had a foundation and they had money and they had food yeah. and they had clothes. So they were, yeah, they, be, found they, they found their talent at right, a young age. Right, like, they were able to be creative. And all that. Right. They were able to be creative, maybe even at a younger age than what a lot of African-Americans could be because we were trying to survive. And I'm not going to say right. that we were trying to survive because we came from like a lower working middle class family. So our parents took care of us, but they were working. So they didn't have the time to take us to the museums or to the comedy shows. 
Right. So that's one thing in our cop culture that I've noticed. Um, and another thing you touched on is your girlfriend. And this is the same thing that Tyrell said. When he first started taking pictures, he noticed that a lot of his pictures were dark because that's where he was mentally. He was upset. He had just got fired from a job and his photos came out dark. But now he's done this so much and it's an outlet and he's married now and he's in a different place. He can see that, wow, look at my pictures. They're so different from when I started. So it's this outlet that needs to happen. And you found it in comedy. So and, and if a person doesn't want to speak to, you know, go and speak to a psychologist or a religious leader, you definitely need an outlet when you're stressed or tense. And I think that you found your niche in comedy and it's your stress reliever. That's what it is. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, man. The stress reliever, man. The, because, and like I said, we all out here doing things that we have to do. You know what I'm saying? And if we don't, and especially being a grown up, as you, as we can say, being a grown up in life with responsibilities, we're going to do a lot of things that that's not actually fun to us because we got to handle business and things like that. And like you said, a stress reliever, uh, finding your passion or something that you love to do is the biggest thing to find something that you love to do. And to, and to know that you can make money off of it is a real big. Oh God. Big, and that's what he did. did. He took photos and he made money, quick money off of the photos. And he wasn't trying to do that initially, but it was like putting food on the table and he enjoyed it. It was like a win-win. So I would right. highly urge any African-American male that's listening to this podcast, if they feel a urge or they feel stressed or they feel like, you know, confined in this certain box, find what you feel you're creative in. I know is, you know, sometimes you feel put in a box and you're, you're looked at as society to live a to find what they're good at and if you have a normal nine to five try to find we're known as the gig economy everybody has their nine to five and a side job nowadays we're known as the gig right. economy find something that you're passionate about that you want to do and maybe it'll end up making you money at the end of the day so that's one and thing is, I, it, that, it, and to add to that i really want to say like this is why i said that like it, it got to do with my top three with uh thinking outside the box Whatever your passion is, stay in your lane. Like, don't look at what everybody else is doing because I feel like creativity is an important key because with my stand-up, my stand-up is for my satisfaction. I'm not looking at what other people are doing. It's looking to what, how to benefit me and what satisfy me because one thing that I do is I look for stages to get on, but it don't bother me when the answer's no because I also create my own opportunities and I create my own projects that also fulfill my needs and what I'm doing. So, you know, the thing, like I said, to be creative with what you're doing, just figure out ways to make it work for you and set your own goals with it instead of just looking at what other people are doing because what other people are doing is it ain't gonna work for you. So just kind of find your own lane and stick to it, man. Well said, little brother. Well said. Yes, I, I, I had to make sure I said that because I prepared that. So. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's towards the end of our podcast right now. But before we go, I always try to give my guests the opportunity to kind of shout out maybe social media platforms or where our listeners could kind of find you out there and see your comedy or maybe show up at your next show. How can people out there find you, Bryson? Most definitely. You can follow me on all platforms, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, at Cool Cat Comedy, K-O-L-K-A-T, Comedy with a C. 
uh follow me and then look forward to seeing my youtube episodes coming out of holding down the fort where i travel all around the midwest uh different cities with me bringing my comedy to different cities hold down the fort fort wayne from where i'm from uh make sure you guys check that out and i have actually a dvd out that's coming out uh called indispensable laughter make sure you guys check that out and also i will be shooting my new uh youtube uh special which is entitled bryson boom in your face good some inside information i love it yeah exclusive you just got the exclusive okay well i want to thank my um listeners today for listening to this interview um please make sure that you subscribe to the anchor app um because my podcast is on the anchor app april world speaking and i look forward to you guys coming back to listen to the next interview in the future thanks bryson i know it's your april rose enjoy your day Thank you. I sure will. I was sleeping in my work van when you hit me, so <laughs> it all Bye. works out. All right. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, see you. Bye.